Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, we take you over to Jukebox Republic, a music show hosted by Shirley Lin. But first, we start off with a new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're joining us via our Facebook live stream, today is Friday, October 30th. It's the eve of Halloween. Otherwise, if you're joining us on the airwaves, it is Monday, November 2nd. So happy November from the end of October. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today is Shirley Lin. Hi there. Up next, we'll be telling you about uh, Taiwan's fat monkey problem. Then a Taipei area historic site gets ready to celebrate its 257th anniversary with a big birthday bash. And, uh, well, piñatas are not usually something you associate with Taiwan, nor are they something you usually associate with uh, campaigns to stop drunk driving. But we're going to be telling you about how Taiwanese piñatas, yes, Taiwanese piñatas, are being used to fight drunk driving right on time for Mexico's Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Taiwan's uh, endemic monkey species, the Formosan macaque, has a reputation for stealing any food it can find. It'll snatch your bag, so watch out. Uh, but I didn't realize there was an obesity problem among oh, these monkey populations. What problem? An obesity problem. Oh, yeah, they do. Um, let me show a picture first. See that? That's a fat monkey. It's hard to tell. Huh? I mean, because they're covered well, in fur, you know? It's yeah, not like... It's pretty... They're yeah, fluffy to begin thing. with. <laughs> You know, it's not good for them that they are this fat. But um, the thing is that uh, basically, you know, you really don't want to feed them, but it's hard. Well, they, um, like they, I said, they'll steal your food if you don't give it to them voluntarily. Right, right, right. The thing is that, um, you know, uh, an expert was saying that, uh, uh, and a, a professor actually, he's saying that, you know, these monkeys, they, 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 you don't feed them. They're, they should learn to, you know, look for food. Okay, hunt for food. Well, th they live near humans. They don't do that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the whole problem. That's not something you or I can stop, though. They'll, they'll go into houses. They'll break into schools. They've I mean, done they've that, been, yeah. right. And recently, too, that's been in the news. Mm -hmm. So it's not like uh, you can stop them, really. So this was happening in Taitong, uh, this particular monkey picture. Um, it was uh, taken in area where there are lots of them. And uh, people were telling, you know, the government has been telling the public not to feed for the last four years to no avail. And actually, you can be fined anywhere from 170 to 350 U.S. dollars uh, if you are found, you know, feeding these monkeys. But um, they have managed to, like, you know, have a volunteer worker to kind of like, you know, survey, like walk around and patrol. Yeah, I was going to say, what, is there a monkey patrol? How do they enforce that? Well, okay. But, yeah, they can patrol, but they don't have the right to you know, fine, fine. The 
people. So it sounds like the fines it. are very pointless. Right. And so they are actually asking for the government for more budget to actually pay these people for patrolling and really actually, you know, going through the process of finding people for doing something they're not supposed to it do. It sounds for the premi- like a premise for an action-packed TV yeah, series. So, Monkey Patrol. You know, it's sad. Now, the funny thing is that, um, so anyway, some, uh, sometimes people you find people taking pictures, you know, of monkeys that they fed the food to, and they take pictures of the monkey with the food in their mouth and saying that, oh, isn't that cute, you know, kind of thing. Now, uh, around this area where these monkeys frequent, there actually would be these trucks that sell fruit, and they would go by the place so that um, the public would actually buy fruit from them and feed the monkeys. So it's not okay. It's not directly stated, but it's implied that this is why you should buy the fruit. So they go to where the monkeys are. And they like, to, hey, they say they're selling this fruit for just the for the people, people but, but uh, yeah. And the funny they have thing a is that for choosing location, right? And the monkeys are getting smart. At the, you know, it, when they know that the time when the truck arrives, they start, you know, start running down to where the truck would be and wait there. That's for, what animals do. Dogs do it. Rabbits, yeah. rabbits do it. You know, and it's sad. Well, they know what they have. A, they have an internal clock. Yeah. But, you know, that fruit vendor was saying that, hey, you know, I, I, I've seen some tourists feeding the monkeys other food other than fruit. Which is not good, but I'm going like Fruits? you shouldn't even be selling no. fruit over there to you know make them feed the I'm monkeys. Sure. And I mean, I know fat. it's part of their natural diet, but I'm not sure how much of its natural diet. I mean, that's mostly what they're eating. That's probably not great. It's very sugary, know. isn't it? I know it's yeah, too much sugar content. But the thing is, you know, um, basically this expert, this professor, he was saying Chen Zhenzhi, he was saying that it's not good to feed the monkeys because they could turn around and attack you. They do and attack people. They really have, unprovoked. Yeah, they have all kinds of disease and germs <laughs> on them. You really don't want to get these blisters and boils. Well, I don't want to Are they really. they rabid? No. Um, huh? Are they rabid? Uh, yeah. Pro- I, I, it doesn't. It says. Well, it says some kind of boils. Ew, but, uh, that's not pleasant. You know, I don't want to say it, but actually in the States and in Europe, you know, the, the death rate is pretty high of you know, what? from those boils. From the, oh. Yeah. oh, I think so. I know what kind of boils you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay, that's fun. <laughs> no, but they don't, like I said, they don't, you don't have to provoke them. They've, I've seen them snatch stuff from people uh, who are minding their own business. They're not, yeah. they're pretty aggressive when they want to be. Well, but have I ever told you once um, we were staying at a place in, um, uh, oh gosh, I forgot what it was. It was somewhere in Taizong, I think. And um, there, there are lots of monkeys there. Mm-hmm. And we were staying at this really nice big cabin. And actually during the day, during the day, not even nighttime, in the night actually, we tr- because we were trying to catch the sunrise, so we drove in the night to get up to the mountains and we saw these you know, monkeys. We got the car light right in their eyes. Anyway, wow. so the next day during, during the daytime, we were in the cabin and, and we heard some scratching on our door. And we know it's got to be the monkeys. It's so scary. <laughs> they were scratching on the door. They're small but aggressive, yeah. And, and they're like, when when they're calm, they're very cute. I've seen mothers carrying babies around. Yeah. They carry them like under, hang underneath of them. It's yeah, little, they can cute. be cute, but you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I wouldn't feed them. That's no, scary. and I, I I couldn't imagine like people having been attacked by these monkeys. I mean, they climbed on you to get yeah, their yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, gosh, I wouldn't want to be there if that happened mm. to me. That's too scary. So I wonder how prevalent the 
if it's just in this one place that they're too fat, or is that there a general obesity epidemic among Taiwan's monkeys? Yeah, I'm looking at this picture of this fat monkey. It's not even good. We're gonna have to start like an awareness campaign or something. Right. So don't feed them. Don't feed them. By the way, is that what's the professor a professor of? A monkey business? The primatology? (laughs) Is it like a Jane um, Goodall type? He's over the Pingdong. Um, it was a study on wildlife. Oh, some sort of a A, biology. Yeah. Okay. So. Would you like to work on the Monkey Patrol? I still think that has, pro- you know, promise as the premise no, for an action-packed TV series. I don't want to have anything to do with these monkeys because they look vicious. Mm. They look vicious. I really don't. That one there in that picture looks pretty harmless, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could be a mother monkey. Monkey Patrol. <laughs> Well, here is something that's right in our backyard, and I've never heard about it till today. It's definitely not in any of the guidebooks, um, but it probably should be. It sounds like it's a place I'd like to check out. This is a 257-year-old Confucian Academy, and uh, actually, depending on when you're listening to it, either uh, on Sunday, well, Sunday, I guess, either ways, um, the 31st, uh, they're celebrating 257 years since their founding. Wow. And... uh, uh, yeah, 257 years. And um, what's interesting about this particular, uh, other than the fact that it was a, a school where a lot of uh, would like aspiring Confucian scholars would study, is that both of its founders uh, were prominent Hakka people. So the new Taipei City Hakka Affairs Council is getting involved too. So there's going to be for this event a lot of Hakka food, which is always a great Yummy. reason to uh, show up to any <laughs> event. Um, well, you're part Hakka. Can you describe to our listeners who aren't familiar what sorts of things they might I, find? I'm really embarrassed to say I'm a part Hakka because I really don't know. I don't even speak the language and I don't know eat. much about the food. You know what they except eat, Except for, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And because my husband, one of his favorite dish is the Ke Jia Xiao Cao, which mm, is the Hakka stir fry. Which got squid was well, mostly very salty. They, I find it um, very salty. Hakka food is very salty. A lot of and, preserved um, things preserved because things like preserved um, meat, pickles. That they, yeah, pickled meat um, that they actually stir fry with vegetables. Um, and um, there's like you know squid and um, um, anyway. So they're known. I mean, a lot of people, foods. especially Hakkas in Taiwan, uh, lived in sort of tight circumstances in the past a lot of people uh didn't have a lot so they made it go around by preserving it so as a result even today the cuisine is quite salty uh, that's right. sort of how it's generally been explained to me also they they have some sweet stuff too um sort of these uh, uh sticky sort of a rice cake with peanuts shaved peanuts topping uh-huh. um i love that mm. <laughs> it's a nice dessert yeah uh sort of mochi basically if you've had it with yeah. a peanut on it um anyway there's also gonna be haka singing as well to celebrate this uh the two gentlemen who founded this school back in uh, the Qing dynasty era uh, were not evidently that hard off. Uh, they donated the land to start this place. And so uh, both of them were commemorated inside the school itself as well. Um, they're also uh, commemorating 890 years since the birth of Zhu Xi, which was a, who was a Song Dynasty Chinese philosopher who uh, a lot of these schools, and this one especially, was dedicated to. So their patron is... And they're, that they're celebrating their own anniversary and also remembering the people who founded this uh, 200 some years ago. Um, I don't know if you've been to one of these Shuyuan, uh, these academies before. There mm-hmm. aren't a lot of them that are open to the public in Taiwan, um, but I've been, I think, to one before. Yeah. And um, 
it's pretty an interesting experience, uh, especially if they have signs that tell you what you're looking at. <laughs> Otherwise, right. it's kind of hard. Uh, learning in those uh-huh. days was tough. There was a lot of memorization and uh, beating from the teachers if you didn't uh-huh. <laughs> learn what you were supposed to. Are they like very Chinese style to kind of, you know, sort decor of on the inside? Compounds, yes. Okay. This have you ever been to um, Zhongshan Tang? Like on the third or the fourth floor, they actually have something similar to that. You know, I it's like this open, there. really space for you to read, and there's lots of like these Chinese manuscripts and all that kind of stuff. It's very Chinese style kind of decor. That's so, what I'm picturing. Um, you know, a, a Confucius Academy here. So uh, these two, two founders were apparently in the sort of in farming and land reclamation, oh, okay. and so um, the idea is that this is also going to be a celebration of the Hakka spirit, which is something Hakka people in Taiwan are very into telling you about. People. They're really into telling you how hardworking they are, <laughs> but also their tradition of, as they put it, uh, sort of uh, plowing while the weather is clear and studying when it rains. Because uh, the other thing wow. besides thrift and hard work that they are known for or pride themselves on anyway is, uh, and there are a ton of uh, people with PhDs and people in high academia with Hakka backgrounds. So I guess it makes sense even today. Um uh, they're going to be having, there's no picture, and I'm really curious about what this will actually look like. They call them pens or brushes, like writing brushes of wisdom. They're going to pass them over an incense burner, oh. swirl them around like they do with a lot of talismans and charms to sort of bless them. And then they're going to give them, it says, to outstanding local students, students. from the elementary to uh, university and uh, vocational school level. So uh, no... I don't know what what the what a what a pen or brush of wisdom looks like. I think it would be a brush, just it? an ordinary a calligra- one, a calligraphy brush. I don't know. That's disappointing. It sounds a lot more the brush of wisdom. It sounds like <laughs> something from a I don't know fantasy Maybe it's novel. It's got a jade tip. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a it's gold a, tip. Or this is a way B. This is a way B. Or this is uh, a smart pen. Could it, it could also be a smart pen? Is it tech? Um, like uh, high tech. Yeah. What's it? No, I'm really, now I'm really curious. It could be either end. Oh, okay, smart pen. Okay, I guess that's actually probably more likely a smart pen. Maybe the kind that like reads when you pass it over text. I don't uh, know. Um, okay. We're gonna have to stay tuned because it's still in our future <laughs> to find out. Anyway, uh, happy 257th anniversary. Piñatas are something you usually associate A, with Mexico, not Taiwan, and B, with festive occasions, not something um, macabre as uh, the consequences of drunk driving. Uh-huh. Yeah. Somehow, though, all of those elements have come together, come together in here in Taiwan. Okay, tell us about it. Okay, so basically, uh, Tainan City, um, you know, one of the police department there was thinking like, how can we really raise awareness about drunk driving, you know? And, uh, yeah, so then they thought of Hinatas. Well, okay, so there's this Taiwanese guy, Wang Siqing, who is called Ricky. Um, he has been in the profession of making pinatas for 12 years. Is that a profession in Taiwan? Well, I, I mean, know in, in Mexico it is. Arts, yeah. But, like, I don't see people, like... I mean, even growing up in the States, we had them for, like, kids' birthday parties and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I've never seen a pinata here. Not no. for any occasion. I know. It's, I, I, I'm not, it doesn't go into detail what exactly he does with his piñata, you know, art or profession. Are they like collectibles? But, um, like for galleries and probably, stuff? Probably, but... Um, I don't think people, I don't see people stuffing candy into them <laughs> and smashing them. No, no. We, we, yeah, we, we need to, you know, like promote this, right? That's not you know, part of, that's of not a, a... We've imported a lot of things from learn. abroad, but that's not one of them, is it? Maybe, maybe Mexican culture. I think they're trying to promote Mexican culture. Okay. So there's piñata and then... 
and then Mexican food. The Taiwanese people love Mexican. We food. don't have much we of it do though. Have and what we have is not terribly one authentic. We, one we had, well, I, one I had um, near the uh, Taiwan, the, the, what is that, National Taiwan University. It got closed down, but it was there for a long, long time. I yeah. thought their food was pretty good. Anyway, we don't but, have. Um, we don't. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. We don't but, have that great Mexican <laughs> food here. <laughs> so they had the idea that because November first and the second, you know, uh, yesterday and today, um, um, is the uh, Day of the Dead. Yeah, the muertos. You can say that. Okay, you can say that in the Mexican. Anyway, Spanish. Uh, Spanish sorry. And um, um, so they kind of thought about that, you know, relating, I don't know, death and, well, you'd really, I don't know how it really would help, you know, promote awareness, actually. But drunk, where's the drunk driving the part coming? Part, you know, fun scene. I still, I can see um, multiple causes of death, perhaps. Why drunk driving in particular? And I why piñatas? Okay. How, well, does, how do piñatas stop drunk driving? Well, let me show this picture. This so. is... Um, it's the uh, it's, it's the skeletal um, princess and prince. Well, okay, mm -hmm. I got chopped off. I would have wanted to show this in picture, but you know, I can't really control the the. You our know, printers our, are out our of control. Streaming. No, our live streaming and uh, our printers are out printer. of control. Also, though. Yeah, I would have <laughs> wanted to print show this in color because it's really, really beautiful. So basically, this is Ricky, and he taught this woman how to make a piñata uh, of the skeletal, you know, the princess and then the prince. Sorry, is that I got a chopped off. Yeah, it's very well, more like a well, full-scale doll. Well, it's you know, it's you know how it's yeah, but that what I think they're still called pinatas because it's okay. all this like so paper mache layers. Paper mache. Yeah, it is. So you, not you can't really tell, but okay. yeah, I, I would have wanted to show this in pictures because it's really beautiful and actually Which, it's kind of fun instead of like. Oh, I shouldn't be drunk driving. You know what I mean? By seeing this piñata because they're beautiful. What's the drunk? I mean, do they have a bottle of tequila or something <laughs> in their hand? Like, what's, no, no, what's no, the no, drunk that's driving a part? That's a flower bouquet so, in, in her hand. So how does that yeah. suggest drunk driving in any way? I still don't see the connection. Is, anyway. Does she hold a sign that says, don't drink and drive? Well, um, actually, there are other piñatas. There's one where um, it's uh, like a... A mug of beer or something like that that's made out of uh, piñata okay. looking with the paper mache. Okay. I don't know. There are several, but I thought this was the cutest. So I are these to on display one, somewhere so people can get the message? Maybe in poster or maybe in like, you know, maybe a TV ad or something. I don't know, you know. What would be really cool is if they like had someone blindfolded and was like smash drunk driving. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, apparently it's their sense of black humor. So that's why they thought of, the, okay, I'm okay. seeing this. It's not very humorous. It's kind of. <laughs> I know. See, it, 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 it's kind of cute. It doesn't even like, you know, that with these with with you know with these it's a serious topic. yeah it, it makes me feel like yeah you know that's why I, that's mm. how i feel when i saw this but anyway i mean really just don't you know don't don't drink, don't and, drink drive. and drive PSA. because i mean you could be fined anywhere i mean at the most in taiwan 20 us dollars yeah if you if you do that so basically um starting in march next year Oh, no. Uh, starting March this year. Oh, they've already done this. Um, if you're caught driving a car that's been, um, you know, that uh, they've, like, statutory license to drive mm -hmm. that car, or you've caught, the registration, you know, you mean? Like, uh, they've, they've caught that someone driving that, that car? That car. It's like they, they've, um, what do you call it? They've taken away the license for that car. But if you're caught driving, you could be fined, like, a hefty fine. Hmm. Or even if you... What if you're someone else related to the person you're, you're who was caught? You're someone, like, you don't, you're not the owner of the car, but you're, you kind of, you know, you take the place of the driver to take a breath, uh, breathalyzer oh. test. You could be fined a hefty fine, too. That, that also sounds difficult to enforce, like the monkeys. I yeah, mean, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's switch kind places of very quickly. I don't yeah. know. Um, anyway, so. it's a good message. I'm not quite sure how they get it across. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, good for I, them for trying anyway. I, they, they're they're very, tr- it's a creative effort. They're racking their brain to think about all kinds of creative ways. I really, mean, people apparently you know. aren't listening to anything else. There's still people doing it, sadly. I so know, sadly. Mm. Yeah. Well, any of you looking for a job and uh, eligible to work in Taiwan, we have several. And uh, these positions apparently are not being filled at all. Okay. Um, these are forestry rangers. Not to be confused with the monkey people we talked about earlier. These are actually paid um, forestry rangers for the Jai Area Forestry Bureau. Um, apparently their duties include uh, protecting forest resources or managing forest resources. Um, I don't know how you do that. Like, you tree over there, grow faster. We will need 20% increase. I don't know. Or uh, m- maintaining trails, preventing disaster. Do they have to climb up trees? Because I'm, I I, I'm not fit for this job. I have really weak upper body strength. I can't climb a tree. Well, the, the there's a two-stage process for interviews. Uh, for the interview. Wow, the first this is, is serious. A, oh, it's very serious. And they have had nobody sign up. It's been, the position's been open for like, let's see, since, let's see, October 16th was when they started accepting applications. And uh, they have six positions and no one has signed up. Aww. They can't, it's rare that like these sort of, I don't know if they're quite considered civil servants, but the sort of, these oh, kinds yeah. of jobs are usually considered pretty sweet deals. The salary isn't, phenomenal it's okay it's uh starting from about three thousand three hundred and and three thousand three hundred and oh sorry thirty thousand thirty three thousand and two dollars what am i talking about mm-hmm. uh which is not fantastic but there's added yeah. on bonuses especially if you're in remote areas you can end up with close to uh looks like forty thousand and two dollars per month just a bit shy of that uh-huh. um again no takers um, yeah, you have to you have to be able to drive a scooter, which is strange because you're in the forest. Um, yeah. Presumably, Maybe you're going to be trails, so you can drive along those. And trails. you have to carry something, and along. I don't know if there's like a simulated path, or they've got a stairmaster there, or what. But you have to carry something. It says uh-huh. heavy. Uh, then, if you pass that, there's a written and oral test, which again. I feel like uh, forestry is a very hands-on type of a job, isn't yeah, it? That's I don't what know I if what you're going to get from a maybe written that's test. Why. <laughs> you know, you're tested on your physical strength, and maybe that's why nobody's. Yeah, it's kind of sad though. Like, uh, yeah, um, I guess nobody's into forestry these days. Hmm. <laughs> it is a very specific, you know. Field. It is, but it's a stable job. They said there's also. Um, let me get back to the responsibilities. Maintaining mountains, like I guess keeping them from landslides, you know. Uh, how do you do that? That 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 you have to build. I'm not sure if they. Yeah, it's I mean, one of those uh, things you have to put install netting on yeah. the sides because some places near highways have those. Um, and I that's think, very physical, you know. Maintaining uh, again yeah, trails, labor. It's a contract-based job. You get a contract once a year. It's stable, um, and uh, there the test is in December. So if you're interested. <laughs> Yeah, we're oh, passing on the word out here. The poor Jai Forestry Bureau. Uh, one of the positions is reserved for Taiwanese indigenous people. So that's five positions for the rest of everyone so okay. out there. Um, hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, maybe mean, maybe if the, the monkey patrol thing doesn't work out, that those people can go over to Jai and patrol right. the monkeys. They have monkeys there too, right? Yeah, I'm sure they do. So yes. uh, there you go. Uh, hmm. Job openings, courtesy of RTI. <laughs> 
Well, that just about does it for yet another edition of Here in Taiwan. What do you know? It's a new week. Mm. Uh, and a new month, new month for some of you. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Stay tuned for more of Shirley next on Jukebox Republic. Bye. Welcome to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, Radio Taiwan International. Taiwan is trying really hard to promote its culture, especially in like you know these uh, traditional professions. So what do they do? Tourism factories. They turn these factories that make certain you know products into like a tourism hotspot. And what they generally do is that they have a makeover of the place. So that people can visit and try their hands at making whatever the product that they sell or used to sell. <laughs> Usually, they are very friendly to children too, so that you know it's something for the whole family to visit and spend a whole day there. That's what I did. I went to a factory slash museum that makes rice vermicelli. It was a one-day trip for the senior citizens in our church, and my hubby, Big John, and I went along. That's because. Big John had the job of vlogging the whole event. Yes, vlogging. This song here is "Lu Chen Ji Lu," record a trip, a journey by Hijack.
You're listening to Jubal's Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm talking about my trip to a tourism factory for rice vermicelli.、Um, if you've been learning about Taiwan, you probably know that Xinzhou is famous for its rice vermicelli because it is known to be a windy city, and the thin noodles really need good gusts of wind to air dry them. So we gathered at 8 a.m. to take a tour bus for a one and a half hour drive to Xinzhou from Taipei City. There were about 36 of us on the trip. My in-laws were included. You know, one thing that elderly like to do on tour buses: sing karaoke. But surprisingly, not this time. One of the persons in charge of arranging the trip has a tour guide license, and she said that、uh, you know, at first she said that, well, let's all rest for like 30 minutes, like no no sound because it's so early in the morning. Everybody probably wants to catch up on sleep or something, and. Before that, before you know, we'll let anybody you know sing karaoke. But then she kept on talking, and she's great at talking. So by the time we got to our destination, nobody sang. <laughs> you know, it's、uh, to be honest. Sometimes it can be kind of noisy when they sing, and you try and you know, and you're trying to nap on the bus. Well, sometimes these grandmas and grandpas really look forward to singing on the bus and showing off their great voices. You know, some of them can really sing. I mean, really. I was ready with earplugs, actually, in case they were going to sing, because I know I didn't sleep well. I mean, didn't sleep enough the night before, so I was prepared to, you know, sleep on the bus. But then, without the singing, I still couldn't sleep. <laughs> so I did not sleep on the bus, on the way there, at least. Anyway, so、um, here's another song about Jilu,、um, making a record or vlogging. In this case, you know, my, that's my husband, Big John's job. So here's Jilu. By Zhu Lijing.
曾走过的仓促，心中的地图只剩那脚步，那一段感触会让你专注，说不。有关于爱的记录，非谁把谁记住，幸福不是谁说了就。Well, the place is big but really run down. On the contrary, they didn't try to remodel the place. I could tell by the toilets, you know. Well, first thing we did was we learned how to make rice vermicelli. Of course, we were to work in pairs and sit opposite each other on these long tables. I had to work on my own since Big John was busy vlogging. But I was disappointed because they didn't teach us to make, you know, the rice vermicelli from scratch. We were given these already made rice vermicelli. Wait. You're asking what's rice vermicelli? They're these really thin noodles made from rice. Either you know you can stir fry them or you put them in a soup along with some vegetables and some meat maybe. Anyway, now each pair、uh, was handed these already made rice vermicelli in a big bunch. Okay, and then we just had to try and separate them into twelve smaller bunches of roughly the same size. Now each pair was handed a big wooden rack. With twelve compartments, we were to put the twelve bunches in the twelve compartments, and each rack came with a number on the side, and we had to remember the number because they were going to put all these racks through a big hot dryer, so that we can put them. You know, when when we get back them back, we can put them in these.、Um, we can package them. Yeah, package them. Anyway, so while we waited for、uh, the rice vermicellis to be dried. There were these pressing machines on the side of the room we were in that we can try pressing a big cylindrical block of rice paste through a sieve with very very tiny holes to make the really thin vermicelli. And you know we were supposed to do that and take pictures of us doing that. We were to press down on a lever like you would on a hand pump water pump, okay, like those old style water pump. So they made things easier for us by skipping that step for us. Aha, you know. Anyway. They didn't want to make too much of a mess. Maybe、um, they didn't want us to make too much of a mess. Maybe.
Anyway, the vermicelli were done and they were dried in no time. We retrieved our racks and started packing them one by one. We were given twelve bags, these small bags with flavoring packs in them. Then we were to take our twelve packs and go to a row of sealers on another side of the room, and seal up the packs ourselves by pressing down on a lever on the floor using our foot. And、uh, mine didn't come up very well because I was so afraid to burn my fingers, you know.、Um, anyway, but they were sealed all right, and、uh, yeah. Well, you see, there is a lot more we can do with rice. So we were also able to try our hands at making other rice delicacies. And here's a song about rice. It's "Ilimi," or in Mandarin Chinese, you know, "Jila Bang," "Jila B," on the "Jila B." That's the Hokkien、um, uh, reading of that, which means one grain of rice. And it's by the late Guo Jingfa, a Hokkien language singer. Yeah, that's why I said that in "Jila B." Oh, I have to do it. Okay, never mind. One grain of rice. Thank、you 
The next thing we did was watch. Yes, watch, not make ourselves. Uh, how Tony stop popcorn was done. Actually, I guess I should call them Rice Krispies. Now, if you heard my colleague Andrew Ryan introduce popped Rice Krispies from a street vendor in his food program, you would have heard the sound effect of a big bang that comes from the traditional Rice Krispie popper here in Taiwan on a, that sell on the streets. Anyway, that's what we heard again. The rice was put through this iron heater, you know, kind of round thing that turns and turns and turns. And then when the time was right, with my hands covering my ears, it gave off a big bang to release all the air inside the rice grains to make them puff up. They were poured into these puffed up rice, you know, rice grains. They were poured into a wooden square box where the popped grains of rice were quickly pressed down using not a wooden roller, but a steel roller, I think it was, by hand. Everyone could only have their hands at rolling once or twice and then take a picture of you rolling the Rice Krispies. Then it was time for lunch. There was a one big dish of stir-fried rice vermicelli, of course. There was a chicken dish. There was a fish dish. There was a soup, um, a vegetable of like these really great, delicious, sweet Chinese cabbage. Yummy. And a plate of these uh, mochi, um, you know, like rice cakes made from rice. Rice filled with, of course, filled with savory fillings. And then there were other dishes. I couldn't remember what they were, but we ended with uh, watermelon slices for dessert. I generally don't like stir-fried rice vermicelli because they're too dry and chewy for me. But surprisingly, the stir-fried rice vermicelli that day was moist and yummy. Later I learned it's because their rice vermicelli was made of 100% rice, not like store-bought where they add other stuff. So I took the leftover of the uh, rice vermicelli home from our table, that is, from our table. After lunch, we took a tour of a rice vermicelli museum, which was really, you know, simple, nothing really exciting, although they had a couple of these old-style grinders made of wood to grind by hand, you know, these cooked rice into paste, and we took pictures of that. Then, uh, of us doing that, actually. My husband, yeah, Big John took pictures of me doing that. Then, then it was time to make mochi, like... Um, 
um, you know, this dessert uh, with uh, mochi-like dessert with the red bean paste fillings for sweet-flavored ones and then pickled turnip strips for savory-flavored ones. Now, all the grand-nannies rolled up their sleeves to try kneading the rice dough, with adding a little bit of water at a time, and they were kneading away, kneading away, and then so then eventually we had to uh, roll them into little balls, and uh, for the sweet ones, we flattened out the balls, filled it with red bean paste, and then we would grease these wooden molds where we pressed a ball of mochi uh, into the mold, and out comes these beautiful dessert with a nice imprint on one side. Um, after that, we needed uh, more rice dough and rolled tangyuan, which is like these little rice balls, teeny teeny rice balls. Uh, some of them pink ones, others white ones, and uh, which eventually we could take home and then, you know, boil them in, uh, boil them in like this sweetened soup to make a sweet dessert. There was one last thing we made, but that was uh, sweet mochi with different fillings, I guess. But Big John and I left at that point, so we didn't get to make that. But I was sure that they had the rest of the people had a great time even after we left because they took a group picture, as always, at the end with a big pink banner that reads, quote-unquote, the Golden Ministry, you know, Senior Citizens, stands for Senior Citizens, and they all had happy smiles on their faces. Well, that's it about my trip to a tourist factory making rice vermicelli. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me on Jobos Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. And one last song. Here's about Kwai Le. That means being happy. Kwai Le Bo De Bi. That's uh, the Taiwanese for saying uh, incomparable happiness by Wang Ling. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. 
In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.